I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Hello and welcome to Outer Travel in a Journey with Alexandra. And today on my show, I have Jyoti Duga. Hi, Jyoti. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so glad we made it finally. Um, I believe that in my world, you're probably not so known. So I'll do a quick introduction in case you want to be intrigued already, because I am when I reread what Jyoti wrote me, she is a leading cybersecurity executive for NIH in America who knows what it's like to be the only female executive in the room for over 25 years. She is a catalyst for change, inspiring transformational, transformational leadership as a holistic wellness specialist and coach, author of three books, as I just found out, international public speaker, indeed, 200 podcasts as well, <laughs> and the mom of three, Jesus, you know, and then there's a long, long spiel uh, which we're going to find out in this conversation of what you do and how you do it. My goodness, yeah. I think we both got in, um, I got first intrigued when I heard you're, you know, you're this person working in cyberspace and you're trying to bring what seems to be to now the average Joe something very ordinary, the wellness industry, which wasn't at the time when you started and still is not probably, right? Yes, yeah, definitely. Cyber is one of those industries that um, there's just so much burnout and stress and overwhelm because you kind of have to be connected to technology, to your work 24 by 7 because hackers don't stop just because you want to go to sleep at night or you want to take vacation. So it's yeah. one, of, one of the industries where they desperately need the mental health and wellness, but they just, it just seems so unapproachable for them that that's been my passion to kind of merge those worlds together. Can, can you tell us or give us a little bit of a taste? What are obstacles? What is keeping those people not looking after themselves as we would call it, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, just being in, um, in cyber for the last 25 years myself, it's an amazing field. Like there's just so much to to learn and it's so broad so it's a beautiful field to be in especially these days but uh, or and i should say um it's one of those fields where you you don't have a choice in the matter so especially if you take the leadership route um you if you're the CISO or a cyber leader and you're responsible for the safety the security the protection of the data systems and the people of your organization then how can you sleep at night <laughs> <laughs> well you have to <laughs> yeah, yeah so and you know if you get called in the middle of the night because there is um 
potential incident or maybe a potential breach, you can't just say like, oh, you know what, it's Saturday, I'll take care of it on Monday. By Monday, you, you, somebody might have taken all of the data <laughs> in, yeah. your, in your systems, or it could be a personal uh, safety risk as well. So most people associate cybersecurity with just data and systems, but yeah. my goal is to really introduce them to the safety aspect, because what happens if your entire electronic grid goes out or your power grid goes out that's a, yeah. that becomes a safety issue you yeah. know what if your um, home security alarm system gets hacked yeah. now, now <laughs> it's like the the company that you're using to protect your home is, has been hacked themselves so you don't really know who's watching you um hmm. so i've been really been passionate about bringing the safety um cyber safety into organizations and really have people start looking at cybersecurity as a safety issue yeah um and when you think about that it just um it's there's no it's it's if to be a good leader you feel like you kind of have to be connected and wired on the go somebody calls you at 2 a.m you can't just like oh you know i had a long night so don't call me it's like you gotta be like okay what's going on <laughs> and as if it's like a normal day-to-day -day, you know a daytime yeah. job so, yeah. yeah and as you were pointing out now that we are living in times of past uh, or in the middle of covid you know some of us are coming out of it a little bit more than others you notice that this kind of um, knowledge is lacking in the wellness industry so you're stepping you've been stepping into both um, ponds so to speak with one leg each to to help the other side to understand how how difficult that is right yeah yeah so the same way that bringing mental health and wellness um in an approachable manner to the cyber and technology committee or community is important i've also noticed that um there's a whole world out there for holistic wellness practitioners or coaches or therapists or counselors that um, may have been doing their work predominantly in person before and now they have to switch to being online and there's more and more people creating websites and online courses and just doing everything virtually. And now they're starting to understand the importance of um, uh, factoring the cybersecurity aspect uh, to their business, um, which maybe they didn't really prioritize before because maybe there wasn't a whole lot of a need before. But now if you have a gadget, you automatically become a system owner. If you have a yeah. computer, you have a website, you really need to ensure that you're, you're factoring in the cybersecurity aspect to everything that you yeah. do. Is one of your books or whatever, I know that you wrote and scripted a book recently or it's about to be published and then you are also co-authoring other books, but is any of those books dealing with that for the wellness industry or is it more geared in the other direction where you started with that you wanted to bring wellness to the cyberspace? Yeah, yeah. So my first book that's coming out in October is called The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing. And I wrote a chapter in that for busting burnout for badass leaders, um, which can be for both aspects. So we have leaders in the wellness industry, also leaders in corporate, uh, you know, the, tech, mm. the technical world. Um, but I am writing um, my own um, entire book on, on just the, um, the word chaos. And the way I look at chaos is it's cyber, holistic, authentic operating systems. 
um, which is going to be, which is actually instilled in all of us. Um, and really bringing together the, the good chaos, the bad chaos, the ugly chaos, uh, and how to um, effective techniques and managing all the chaos in your life, um, which includes the cyber, the, the chaos that cyber brings. Because, um, yeah. you know, if you're not a cyber person, then the moment you think of cyber, automatically you feel stressed out. Like, oh, it just feels like this, this crazy, this is like this field I don't know anything about. Um, but my goal is to kind of bring it to the, um, the wellness world in a way that, that doesn't seem so scary. Mm. Um, and also bringing it to women because the wellness world is, um, there, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's predominantly women, but there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of women. Yes, of course. I mean, I, I don't have data, but I was, uh, from my own perspective and using healers and wellness professionals all my life or for the past 30 years, I've met more women than I met men. So yeah, you might see men rising to leadership positions much earlier than women do. And that is the tragic somehow, right? As we both experiencing, as we're coming up, uh, as we be both inspired to lead into a more holistic world, which I heard in the word chaos as well, uh, we're both stumbling across this whole entity of finding Mm, sanity right what's your experience with that Jyoti yeah so um you know being a leader as a woman you're already having to cross uh, a lot more obstacles and roadblocks than um if you were a male uh especially if it's in an industry that's predominantly male dominated um, so, you know, if you're, if you're a woman or young girls, you know, they're automatically being set up for failure, even from a young age, um, How without so? realizing it. So, sorry. Um, sure. So, you know, I have two daughters myself and I'm really very cognizant of how I, um, advise them of things. And I see that they're getting, um, uh, you know, they're, they're getting affected by their friends or teachers. And what I see happening is if they speak up for themselves and sometimes being a mom of a, of a, a forward thinking, um, ambitious, like strong, determined young girl can be hard. <laughs> yes. They're not just going to do what you tell them to do, but I actually appreciate that about them. And I, I try to encourage them like, you know, yes, definitely speak up for yourself, ask questions, ask whys but try to use all of your ambition and independence and strong-mindedness for the positive, you know, not for just getting what you want, because that is what's going to set you different, uh, set you up to be different than everybody else. But what I notice what they get from school sometimes is like, oh, your daughter's just very bossy, um, or uh, they get their friends telling them like, hey, why don't you just do your arts and crafts and, you know, go that route. And when they're like, nope, I want to do coding. That's, I find it fun to do coding. They kind of get this look from their friends like, what, why would you want to do that? Don't you want to just yeah. come and play with us? And yeah. my daughter, like, yeah. that's what you want to do. That's, you stick with what you want to do. Like, you know, you don't have to uh, make excuses for yourself or feel like you have to live uh you know not be your authentic self just to kind of please somebody else yeah and how were you received coming um into the company that you work for with the idea of wellness what happened once you kind of tested your skills there 
Sure. So I've been at NIH for the last 10 years, but with my new position, um, you know, being the, the CISO at the NIH level, um, you know, from moment one, I told my management um, or the management team that, you know, I'm here to serve the people. Um, I'm not here to follow somebody else's like agenda or, you know, uh, just kind of go with the flow. Like I'm, I want to do what's best for the organization and what's best for the people because mm-hmm. that's my, that, that's my passion is to help people. So yes, I can help people through cyber, um, but I can also help people through um, what they really need, which is mental health and wellness. Um, especially in this, this kind of, I see, I saw, um, even at this level, there's like so much burnout, there was harassment, there was just like this low morale, um, and just exhaustion and people were getting sick or they were leaving. So it's like very low retention rates. And I, and I knew that, um, I had a feeling like, okay, it's just people leave an organization, mostly it's because of leadership and management, um, you know, because they, they don't feel like that trust or support system, um, you know, or it's just they, they just don't feel valued um, or uh, even uh, viewed. So I started incorporating little by little. I told them I wanted to start a health and wellness program. Um, and I kind of told the story as to why this is going to be helpful for the organization and, and the people um, and how, you know, how it's going to be helpful for leadership. And that's one thing that I've learned over the course of my years is how to tell the story in a way that resonates with others. Because hmm. um, everyone has a story, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, when you're going through like a messy period, you, you don't really understand why it's happening. Um, but I've found out that everything in your life is happening for a reason. And it's mm-hmm. up to you to find that gift in that, situ- in that messy situation and turn it into your message. So, so um, what so happened to you, Jyoti, that, that kind of get you, got you the right messages as such, if we want to call them right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything is, is, is there's, there's a lesson and a gift in anything that happens in life. And I'm not making light of any one situation. I've gone through some pretty traumatic situations myself um, through a traumatic childhood where I didn't even know if I was going to make it um, every day. And, but I set my goal, you know, I set like, my intention, like I will make it through and I will survive my childhood and I will, yeah. these are my dreams, which seemed so far, you know, it, it just seemed like, oh, that, that seems impossible. But it's only in those dreams, uh, setting those dreams that you actually have something to look forward to and you can set that your intention to get there. Um, and the path isn't always linear, right? Even now, I set my dreams to be like, you know, something that uh, seems so so far away from me. Um, but it's you're not going to get there in this like linear path. It's going to be mm. like ups and downs, up and you know. But mm. that's where your 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 power of intention, um, just going along your mission, not worrying about the naysayers. Um, and treating the uh, naysayers thing we talked about this before as your your Jedi masters uh, yeah. really you know comes into play you know not thinking of them as people that are um, bad or just frustrating but thinking of them as okay you know I'm, I'm, this gives me more opportunity to practice you know my own strength and my own power and my own determination. So 
you you said you had like a, a difficult childhood. Do you, do you want to give us an idea of what made it difficult and how you rose above it? Um, sure. So, you know, it. I was the only child. My parents were immigrants to this country. And, you know, if you know anything about um, Indian, especially South Indian parents, especially back then, they were very, very strict. Um, you know, you had to study all the time. And I was taking, you know, 20 classes, like dance, music, violin, tennis, ice skating, you name it. I was probably in one of these classes. So the, by the time I started, the homework would be like 10 o'clock at night. And I would finish by like two or three in the morning. And, um, you know, and, you know, my, my mom had some, uh, she, you know, she was, she was trying to do her best, but she was, you know, um, abusive in many ways. So just being the only child and all the attention is on you, I had to get really good at, um, keeping myself together, you know, amidst all the chaos <laughs> that was going on. And, you know, so everything would be blamed on me. And you never knew when she was going to kind of switch personalities. Um, so it was really hard and both me and my dad, because we were, we just didn't know um, how we're going to get out of it. Um, or even if we're going to get out of it, mm. or if we're even going to see each other the next day. Um, so it was a pretty bad situation. Um, yeah. But something, I wasn't very religious growing up because I noticed my, my, my parents were super religious and I kind of equated, you know, hey, if my mom is so religious, but yet she's acting, you know, in a way that I, I wouldn't wish upon any child, then religion must be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it actually turned me away from religion. But I always believed in um, there was something higher, like maybe the universe or I don't know, the sky, there was a higher being. And I always kind of um, I relied upon that uh, source to get me through my childhood. And I set my dreams so far in advance and I just kind of dedicated myself like, hey, I will achieve my dreams and I'm just going to keep thinking about that. And anytime... Uh, my mom would have her uh, her um, situations happen, you know, inside me, I kind of like, yeah, you know, I am not going to let this um, uh, pull me down. Now, little did I realize, you know, people look at me now and they're like, oh, it couldn't have been so bad because you're so bubbly and happy all the time. I'm like, no, it just took years and years and years of healing myself um, and also understanding who I was because I what I lost in my childhood was my own authenticity because I had to be the person that mm. my mom liked mm. um, just so I don't get in more trouble than I already was from not doing anything wrong. <laughs> um, you know, so I really had to be the grown up um, right from the age of four uh, from for as long as I can remember because yeah. I had to, you know, function in such a way that, um, hey, let me just like slide through here so that I, I'm kind of invisible and she doesn't notice me because the moment she notices me, something's going to happen or something will get blamed on me. Like I'd be blamed for the weather or, you know, I don't know, if she's in a bad mood and I'd be blamed for that and, or I'd be blamed for something my dad did like 20 years ago. So it's just, <laughs> there's no, you know, rhyme or reason. Um, And I also learned to start um, using pain as 
as a way of um, uh, learning how to diminish my pain so that I don't cry because the, the moment she would do something and I would cry, she would use that as, oh, great, you actually got hurt by that. Let me do more of it. So I had mm. to kind of, you know, learn my own pain management skills. Like, okay, I'm just not going to cry so that I just kind of pretend like it didn't hurt. Um, yeah, what I'm hearing you say is like when we always look at, I mean, we can all look at our careers and why we chose what. And if we have done enough self-work and self-digging, we probably come across these incidents. So I don't find it much of a, a wonder that you've become a safety, you know, like you, you become a safety agent because you probably had to, to learn how to be safe with people. So you're trying to bring that onto or you try to bring that on a bigger level but also then discovered the healing so what was the first healing experience you had if you want to call it healing or what was your first encounter with a method that kind of really spiraled you forward sure so um right from childhood like i kind of knew i had a some sort of intuition or gift because since i started to learn my own pain management skills <laughs> Uh, on how to take care of myself since I know my, my mom's not going to take me to the doctor. Um, so I had to just find my own way of healing. Um, I would actually help my friends with that too. So a friend had um, something going on like cramps or something, something would just something, Oh, tell this person to do this. And I would just say that like, Oh, have you tried this? And then they would do would it. Be like, this, oh, yeah. For example, can you give it an example? Yeah, so if they said they would have cramps, like so I had, I still remember this example or my friends, like their toes, like they would get cramps. So they would, their toes would kind of go one on top of each other. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we don't know what to do. We can't walk. It hurts like, you know, it hurts really bad. So I'm like, oh, let me just give me, give me your foot. And I would just kind of like rub their, their feet uh, and then kind of press it. Um, and then it would go away. And yeah. they're like, oh, how did you know to do that? And like, I don't know, something just told me to, to do that. And it, and it worked. Um, I was also a uh, very, I never liked um, over-the-counter drugs or medications, so I would always find a way to use natural ingredients to, to heal myself, so I drank warm water with lemon, like, every morning, hmm. um, and, and, you know, I would um, keep, uh, keep moving throughout the day. Um, yeah. I, I didn't really believe, I never liked going to gyms. So I always believe that, oh, let me just keep myself active throughout the day. Um, and that actually makes me feel better than just kind of sitting all day long and then just spending one hour going to the gym. And, yeah. you know, now if you look at, uh, you know, what they, what they say now or what's been uh, practiced now, it's like it's little things throughout the day that, that matters. Yeah. It's yeah. what you do most. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and if the my, exercise type, you should be doing 20 minutes, you know, in or 10 minutes at a time. If you need to sit at a desk like that, you know, you, you, you're asked to do like intervals of 20 or 15 minutes and that would help you more than doing two hours gym. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and what I teach now is actually not even, you know, because I, you know, if you're, <laughs> Uh, people these days would claim that they don't even have the 15 or 20 minutes. So I've gotten, um, uh, I've, I've started teaching like two minute, three minute, five minute techniques that you can do once every hour. And even that, you know, carries, uh, carries in, uh, like micro actions carrying like a massive impact. 
Yeah, for, uh, so how did, uh, let's go back to that uh, where you started, you know, you started off someone with a career in cyber and then you notice, okay, I want to rather talk to the people here than just do, do the work. So what landed well with people? What kind of technique did you give people for them to have a chance to shift their lives into more body consciousness? Yeah, so I started with, um, you know, I had to kind of speak their language first um, to really resonate with them. So I actually did start with, um, you know, uh, teaching them two minute, three minute, five minute techniques that they can use, mind body energy techniques that they can use uh, throughout the day. So my first session was, you know, I called it mind body hacks for busy uh, professionals or, you know, corporate leaders or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I had over like 200 people participate, which was great. Um, and the way I put it was, I, you know, really had to tell the story, like, you know, I, I know what you're going through. Like, I know you might be feeling, you know, tired or burnt out. Or you just don't have time in the day. You, you know, have to worry about work, but then you have like family pressure, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm. And, you know, you don't have to resort to just um, meditation or yoga or mindfulness. And because this is, you know, we have to understand it's a male dominated environment. So yeah. the moment you mention any of these three, they're immediately like, ah, oh, you know, that's not for us. So I had to tell them, okay, what if I showed you just a two minute breathing technique that you can use anytime, anywhere, even in the middle of um, a uh, difficult situation? or yeah. a two minute um, EFT tapping technique. So, yeah. um, you know, so those, that's how I started, uh, just giving them two minute things. I said, just do it as often as, as you like, you know, try to do it once every hour. And if you're telling me you don't have two minutes every hour, you really have to look at, you know, your priorities. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and what were the what was the response you got from these people? I'm I'm sure some of them said, "And nothing for me," and then some got good results. Or what happened? Sure. So I made them do it. Uh, where I, I didn't make them, but I asked them <laughs> to do it right in the middle of the session, so that they can see how they feel. Because hmm. you know, when when you're just listening to someone, and then now you have to go and spend time doing it. That's when no one's gonna do that. They're not gonna take the time. So. So I would, you know, I would introduce these concepts and say, okay, so let's actually try it together um, and, you know, be open. Like, did you feel anything? Um, and sometimes, you know, it, some of these techniques take longer than two minutes. Maybe you need to spend four minutes doing it. But then just within the two minutes, they were able to, at least it got their mind off things. Um, and I would, I, would, I, would, I would teach them how to, how to train your brain to work for you instead of working against you. Um, and little by little, the more you practice that, you're actually building up a new muscle in your brain. Yeah. Uh, it's called the PQ muscle. So yeah. all these years, you've been conditioned to basically look for the bad um, through your subconscious brain. It's like, it's because it's meant to protect you, right? Especially if you grew up in an environment like mine, where you're basically in the fight, flight, or fear, or freeze mode. Uh, 24 by 7 every day of your childhood, hmm. you've become accustomed to going into that that um, alarm mode all the time. Yeah. Uh, not just by physical factors, but also by mental, emotional factors. So the moment somebody tells you something, you immediately kind of like, oh my gosh, 
this is a safety issue. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not a safety issue, it's just, it could hurt your feelings, but that's it. Yeah. You know, you've been conditioned to treat it as like, oh my gosh, this person hurt my feelings. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? I got to fight back. Um, so and how start? do you dissolve that? Uh, you know, you're talking obviously trauma and I had a few trauma experts on the show already but we always like to hear more you know if you if you can give them away a little bit more details what what is the shifting point for you or what have you yeah. found exactly so um what i learned was uh there's so many different uh, modalities techniques operating systems out there that it gets so confusing um with Sometimes too many choices uh, makes you more inactive. <laughs> um, but what it really boils down to is basically two things. You know, you're, you are meant to be, you're born as a human for a reason. You're meant to be happy. You're meant to be, um, live uh, life and basically master your own potential. So I would basically, I kept it very simple um, at first. So I said, anytime you feel any sort of quote unquote negative emotion, um, you know, sadness, frustration, anger, any of that, just catch it. And then, you know, pause in the moment and I would show them how to do these uh, quick um, techniques, just two minute, two minute techniques to shift yourself to the what I call the Jedi approach. And I would, uh -huh. I would explain what is the Jedi approach? The Jedi approach is, you know, find a creative solution, um, mm -hmm. find a way to navigate, find a way to um, be, bring out your empathy and your compassion. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to explain in uh, on the podcast, but in, in, in my programs, we kind of go through step-by-step step, um, every, and within like six to eight weeks, um, there's a massive transformation that happens with them, within yeah. them. and we're not, we're not saying all negative emotions are, are, are bad, or you should just kind of forego it. But when you're learning, um, it's, it's, you know, instead of trying to process grief or traumas on your own, you really need that, that coach with you to do that. So, you know, since I can't be the coach Absolutely. for everyone. Yeah. 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 It was just to like to give the listener an idea and of course because i'm intrigued you know to to hear what you do but i understand it's it's, it's not just a even though it's simple it's not a simple recipe that we're gonna you know transmit over the podcast right now but it is the idea of liminal thinking you like what's happening in trauma that people get kind of caught in uh, a world where everything is always the same reaction and the more it happens the more the brain gets trained to see the world as such that's what you're describing and in order for them to open up in order to to go that world you have to feel safe so you're giving as a coach probably the safety aspect you know like i have experience and and b it's to shift the view of possibility mm -hmm. and choices that's what i hear you saying right yeah, it's actually neuroscience. So you're actually, so we're actually teaching them how to rewire your brain. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, so instead of taking that, uh, you know, the negative approach, you're actually rewiring your brain to take the the more Jedi or the sage approach, uh, which yeah. is what you know, which is how you started in life. Like when you're a baby, no one started as a baby being angry and disgruntled and 
you know, selfish yeah. or jealous. Yeah. Like, you know, you were, we all were born as a baby, you know, following the, the Jedi approach. And little by little, we got conditioned by our parents, families, friends, society, culture, to slowly start taking more of the, the negative approach to things. And then if we allow ourselves to just be stuck in that, yeah. then it, it just kind of closes the opportunity for growth and expansion. Um, yeah. So the more we can kind of open people's awareness to um, getting their authentic operating system back and rewiring um, their brain to, to bring out the authentic operating system, then the more we can kind of raise the consciousness of, of everyone. And my last question uh, to you as well, we've been going for quite a while and so interesting to speak to you. <laughs> we could have like a series of just conversation with Jyoti Dugar, but um, what, I'm, what I'm remembering now as we're coming into, you know, you opening up people and uh, people who are listening to the show might be in the field of wellness, so they're very familiar with that sense. And what you're bringing to the table today is like, use science together with the experience to bring it to people who are a little bit wellness over averse or you know like the, they, they don't want to go there but then you made clear that the environment you work in that this environment doesn't foster self-care because you might be getting called in the middle of the night for doing something and maybe there are nurses out there or people who are night shift and in and in you know, jobs that need them to respond. How do you break that chain and can remain in the job? That, my, that's my last question to you. Yeah, so I think learning these techniques and continuing to do them throughout the day um, is what's going to help you in the moment. Because you can't, you, it's hard to, um, for anyone to shift uh, your perspective or how you approach things in the moment if you haven't been doing them outside the moment um, throughout on uh, a continual basis, not once a day, not once a week. Um, so that's why I try to make all of these techniques like very simple. Um, you know, one technique is just kind of just rubbing your fingers together. Hmm. So these aren't, you know, very super hard um, technical techniques. It's, it's very simple techniques, but it has a science behind it. So by training yourself to put all this chaos aside, whether you're an emergency worker, whether you're in cybersecurity, or whether you're, you know, some other field where you kind of have to respond like that um, to any sort of incident, you still have like 30 seconds to a minute to just pause. You don't have to jump on it like the moment you get that call. You could be like, okay, I need 30 seconds. Just put all this chaos to the side and then just focus on, let's say, something physical like the feeling between the tips of your fingers for yeah. 30 seconds. That really, and, and if you keep on practicing that um, outside of the moment, it starts changing your, your rewiring your brain so that you're not hijacked by that, all this chaos. You know, you just kind of take it as it comes like, oh, okay, there's an incident right now. Yeah. Let's see, like, you know, you know, and then you start all, almost rewiring your brain to act from your stage perspective versus your, you know, the, I call your involved <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Where you kind of get, where the lymphatic system, where the adrenal system, they all get on, they are on constant pulsation. So that the, the rest part that, I mean, in Ayurveda, we talk about 
how important it is to cure yourself through resting. And so what you're giving people at that moment in time is not to be in the constant adrenal response, which will actually refer to your old brain, you know, to the fight or flight response that you, you've talked about. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So who, so what's your message for whoever is out there, Jyoti? What would you like to say to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's always a pause in the moment since we're just talking about uh, pauses. Um, and that is, you know, if you look at it from a gym perspective, it's when you rest that your muscles are growing. It's not by the constant, you know, pumping muscles. Um, in fact, you're actually breaking down your muscles if you keep uh, pumping, you know, yes. pumping weights every Indeed. day. So, you know, I would, uh, and in this modern day and age, everyone feels like they're, they're on the go all the time. They're on all, you know, they have to keep being wired all the time. And I would say it's in the pause that you can actually, uh, it's in that rest and, and it doesn't have to be a long rest, you know, just take the, that one or two minutes every hour, if you can, five minutes every hour, and then do these kinds of techniques to really, um, you know, allow yourself to, to grow so that you can be more productive, efficient, effective for, uh, and for be a leader, as we leader. said. Yeah. Even if you have a mission, because we told of us, we were talking about mission earlier and that you have to keep going, even if you have a mission and you have to keep going, don't go to the extent where you burn out. But what Jyoti is saying here to us all, you know, remember the pause, you know, so that you can show up. <laughs> <laughs> great way think, of putting it yeah so thank you Jyoti for making time it was a pleasure yes, having thank you. you thank you for having me in the show I'm blessed to be here mm -hmm. and we'll see each other and um, on the forum if there's questions for you we have a forum now for listeners on Facebook and if you want to ask Jyoti something maybe about her books maybe about her service which we got to all pin to the show notes below. So if you want to get in touch, there's always the show notes. Um, but you can also ask her a question on our Facebook forum. So we're looking forward to that and have a beautiful week. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash Alexandra Kreis and pledge your donation.